Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right. So welcome back, everyone who's listening and not reading. Um, or if you did, if you did read, that's cool, too. It's me and um, <laughs> Dom Fisher uh, with another episode of Geek Vibes Live and also chopping up the homie. This is kind of a dual thing um, because this was a direct reach to me and not through our editor. So I'm going to take some liberties and, and put it on my podcast as well. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, so it's going to help help out uh, my guest uh, get double the uh, views from not only the geek round, but also the I guess my, I don't even really know what like my podcast fan base is really considered. It's, it's a little bit of everything i guess but i guess more uh hip-hop oriented um but i have with me today uh dominic archer so dom and dom uh and welcome man i appreciate you uh reaching out because it's a it's an interesting story man no well yeah thank you for for having me uh for having me on i don't know about for you but it's pretty rare for me to find someone else called Dom, called Dominic. So when I saw you, I was like, well, it's a given. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to go for it. Yeah, man. Uh, and, you know, I, I was just talking about this the other day with someone before we start. Everybody that has an accent that's not an American accent always just sounds more pleasant. And, and I'm like, <laughs> man, what is, I don't... Uh, you could literally, you know, sing a song about tying your shoes and I can sing it. It's going to sound 10 times better. It's crazy. Um, no, I think if it came down to singing, you probably got me. <laughs> but but uh, I'm, an, uh, I'm an English teacher in Russia. So my uh, I've had to change my accent from Somerset, where I am from, where it's very farmery, to um, being uh, so that, you know, people who's first language isn't English can actually understand what I'm saying. So it's, uh, it's, it's uh, through practice. It's not some kind of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't claim it as being better in any way. Um, so how would you, so to kind of uh, jumpstart, how did you go from English teacher to um, comic book? Are you just the writer? Yes, yeah, and to yeah to say that I am anything else would be a pretty big disservice to the people who are actually good at it. Um, so yes, yeah, I, I take the the writer title on mine. But um, the teaching thing actually started after I was writing comics because uh, at university, I, my degree was in script writing for uh, film and TV and theater and, and that kind of stuff. So I was writing scripts and comic scripts from when I was like 17 years old. But the problem with writing comics is that it's really fucking expensive right. to uh, to make comics because you can write them and that's fine, but then you need a, a, a penciler and an inker and you know then you have colorists, letterers, editors, and that's great if you're Marvel and DC and you know, you've got Disney funding everything that you're doing, like Mickey Mouse fits the bill. But like for me, it's a lot more difficult to be doing this stuff independently. So teaching came about especially i left the uk to go and teach in in china and hong kong and russia because i needed to earn the money to make comics um so yeah the teaching was kind of it was it's not what i wanted to be doing but it paid enough for me to to get to where i am so i'm pretty thankful for that yeah and uh, i can i mean i don't know about everybody else but i know i can definitely relate to that when you want to do something in entertainment or the arts and you're like you know it's expensive to do what i want to do so i have to find uh a, a regular job per se to fund my 
extracurricular activities because um, <laughs> yeah. that's that's kind of how I got started as well. You know, I'm not making you know the the funds that I want to make uh, as of yet, but it is was you know I'm gonna work this job. I may not like this job very much, but it's gonna help fund podcasting or help fund a new laptop for writing or a camera or whatever the uh, the means I need. Um. Yeah, so, I get that completely because when I, I came out of university, when I was like 21 or whatever, I thought, okay, I've I've graduated, I've got a degree, that means everyone's going to want to employ me and, you know, a, you know a, a job with Marvel and DC, you know, it's just a day away and now it's almost 10 years later and, uh, you know, it's it's that thing of... I'm I'm happy to be working towards it because you know it's it's a journey and you know it's a goal to work towards and like once you're eventually working for Marvel and DC if you if that's where you want to get to then like what's next right like what what so I'm glad I didn't get there at 25 because it's some kind of Kurt Cobain kind of thing right where you get there and you write the best music that's ever been written and then you're like okay <laughs> right right, right. <laughs> what what am I going to do now so um yeah it's it's not that bad to be humbled i guess yeah and you know uh for those who don't know you have a a website uh what was the website uh, my website is dominicarchercomics.com okay yeah and it seems like you know the independent route may be for for a lot of different industries may be kind of the route because you do have that creative freedom to um tell stories um, and make things that may not be what the mainstream popu- popularity is. Yeah. And you have the opportunity to make what's not popular popular, rather than like something, uh, if you're working for a big corporation, they're not looking for something new. They're looking for, hey, we have to make this popular thing. Yes. So you might be hindered a little bit, you know? Yeah, I... I'm pretty grateful for for the work that I have been able to do um, because I've been able to, you know, if I have an idea, I can pretty much fully explore it and there's nobody to tell me, uh, you shouldn't do this. Now, sometimes somebody telling you you shouldn't do this is really useful <laughs> because you are setting yourself up uh, to make some mistakes. But when it's come to the, the comics that we've done so far, I'm really proud of all of them, and some of them have worked better than others. Um, and feedback that I've got from uh, from like comics professionals has been really useful. But I wouldn't have made mistakes if I wasn't able to make the work in the first place. So yeah, all of the work, even the stuff that kind of slips down a little bit, or it's that you know it's that thing where you get two years uh, two years on, and you look back and it's oh Christ. Like was that really was that really what I thought was my best work then? But I think that happens to everyone. So um, yeah, having the chance to make the work is yeah is something to value. Yeah, because I was uh, I was looking through, and I noticed kind of a a a cool pattern, and there was like this balance between um, like the fifties kind of mm. era, and then like the future, and. I think those are like the reason why I think that's interesting is because so you have the future or the the past, uh, should I say that you know that we learn from to try to prevent things that happened then from happening now, and in the future that what we see in our present that could lead to this possible dystopian future, then you can always play with going back and trying to prevent this from happening or what's leading up, what made this dystopian future happen. And uh, I think one of my favorite ones that I was, uh, that I looked at was um, Dick Reagan. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the fact that it, it, it reminded me of a lot of different things, but that it's like he was serious, but not taking himself too serious. And then you get to that point because I've had friends of mine. We've talked about that same aspect of if there is this peace that's 100% peaceful, nothing's going on. Is that what happened? Do people get to that point of well, peace is boring, and then yes. now what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, our our entire politics in the world is based on you know it, it was stable for a while, 
but uh, how can we fuck it up? <laughs> and right, and I think that's that's a way that the world is, and it's a way that we are that we are as people as well. Like one of the things I really like about 1950s influenced stuff, and a lot of it you're you're right to to pull out as being 1950s influenced, but it's very American 1950s influenced, um, because the idea that we have of you know, in popular culture of the 1950s is, you know, it's that post-war white picket fence, like GI Bill era where, you know, everyone gets to move out to the suburbs and get to live this, you know, milkshakes and rock and roll lifestyle. But that whole thing is built on the fact that other people are excluded from it. And it took an entire war and like, to to get to this point where we can pretend that everything is fine even though nuclear holocaust is hovering above us the entire time right so it's it's kind of yeah built upon this idea of um a facade and a lie that in the uk we we have the same thing as well where um under margaret thatcher and under the the current prime ministers that we have now and even the whole whatever the fuck is going on with the Brexit stuff, it's all built on on this idea of, do you remember when we were the greatest country on earth? And we think that, and America thinks that, and Ch- I used to teach in China, and the Chinese think that too. So, <laughs> right, so, uh, and uh, in Russia now, I'm teaching in Russia, and Russia is going through this um, historical reevaluation where they're going, the Soviet Union, was it really that bad? And in Japan, they're editing their textbooks in, in schools to say, you know, the stuff we did in China actually, you know, was, was it so terrible? But oh, no. every single country does this thing where um, we we project um, this yeah idealized version of, of what we used to be. And the 1950s, I think, is like the perfect encapsulation of that in culture because it's the one we all know about, the one we all see, like, you know, the James Dean, Elvis, you know, like it's the the pre-Vietnam War stuff, right, where it's, you know, the world's so innocent and pure, but it's not. It's, you know, it's corrupted to its soul, but we're just not willing to admit it yet. Right. No, that's crazy that you say all that because, oh, that's so crazy because there, I remember... uh, here uh, in America that that was a thing that was uh, happening in a, a few states that they were um, talking about erasing a whole bunch of negativity from the history books to make everything seem pleasant. That's so wild that it's happening everywhere. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess on some level you, you kind of see what they want to do as far as, like, you can't say you know, we're number six, we're number six, but, <laughs> yes. Yes. but I think the people are smart enough to realize when, well, I ain't gonna say people, uh, individuals, uh, mm-hmm. are usually smart enough to realize when you're not great or you're not number one in certain aspects. And then it's usually when, you know, the whole mob mentality of people getting together when it goes off the rails, but mm-hmm. That's kind of it's scary, though, that it happens all over the place that we really want to erase history to uh, preserve this, like you said, this idealistic um, view of ourselves, whether it be people, you know, with their social media only posting like the positive stuff and then exactly. with our countries trying to erase uh, certain things. Yes, yeah, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. As social media, you're like exactly right to to point that out because Instagram is it's selecting the history before it's even happened, right? It's like here is my perfect relationship with my perfect partner, and here we are looking perfect in the perfect place. <laughs> and then you hit, they broke up because they both cheated on each other, and you're like, but they looked so happy. It's <laughs> right. like, well, no, they didn't. <laughs> they were never happy. You just thought that they were, and yeah, that's kind of. I don't know. They keep. I keep hearing like the post-truth world. I don't. I don't. I don't know what that means. But whatever it means, it feels like we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah. And then and then it's perfect for you being like because when I was reading like your descriptions of um, all the different comics, I was like, man, he's he's a really good writer. 
and, <laughs> and and someone like you to be able to uh, articulate not just what your your story is, but that people can relate it back to what they're seeing present time is is good because we don't have a lot of people who are able to observe and report in a way that's not like um, uh, easy to digest. You know, some people, they just want to post, look at this crazy thing that happened. And then some people are not gonna, they're gonna run away from it instead of trying to understand what it is because they don't want to see the scary thing. But if you yourself are able to articulate it and uh, show it visually in a way that is palatable for people, then it's, it's easier to take steps to undo some of the negativity that goes on. Yeah, I'd, I'd never really thought about it in, until you were saying that. But one of the, the biggest influences on a lot of the work that I've done and a lot of the work that I used to talk about with the creators I worked on a boxer with was we would just sit around, talk about comics, and then talk about Star Trek. And Star Trek was a big influence, not just because of the science fiction stuff, although obviously, you know, being a nerd and Star Trek is, is it's, it's going to come hand in hand, right? right. But what was so what was so amazing about, um, say, the Next Generation, Captain Picard era of, of Star Trek or whatever, was that they're talking about a lot of social issues at the time in a way that you watch and go, "Wow, what a great story this is!" And it's like not until it's over and you've stopped crying that you realize. Oh wow! <laughs> right. Right. I think they were really hitting me with something there that I wasn't aware that I was being hit with, and I think Marvel and DC, a lot of the work that that they've been doing in comics in like the last five or ten years, like there's a, a lot of the audience has become toxic on you know on yeah. however you want to approach it but one of the problems i think with the way that they've gone about it is they have literalized everything that say star trek made metaphorical right. and, and when you literalize something you force people to respond if that makes sense yeah right? so, yeah so when you wave it in somebody's face they become defensive whereas when you uh when you tell it through a way that gives them time to digest it kind of yeah kind of as you were saying that allows a different perspective to come across it stops you from instantly building up your wall and going i'm not engaging with this this is attacking me uh you know comics aren't for comics fans anymore whatever like and it allows you to to go okay actually uh maybe you know maybe it's worth addressing these things um, and that's not always going to work. And that's not to say that we shouldn't, you know, if you see Nazis, you you shouldn't like, go, well, here's my metaphorical thesis in right. the form of a comic book that tells you why Nazism is bad, right? Like, that's not, you know. But there's there is a power in storytelling that is not just saying to people what you think is wrong. And... Uh, you should, you know, fuck off <laughs> because, right. you know, it, it's storytelling is about shared imagination and shared experience. And hopefully some some of the work that, that we do um, engages with that in, in some way. For sure, man. Um, man, that's deep. <laughs> uh, I had a couple of drinks. So, <laughs> so when you're saying that, it might just be uh, might just be the alcohol. Oh yeah, what time is it there? It's nine uh, nine p.m. over here. <laughs> yeah, so I I did the whole day. Uh, I did the whole day at work. Uh, my girlfriend went off to the airport. She's just flown off to Saudi Arabia on holiday, and uh, yeah, so yeah, now I had time to to sit down and and drink before to calm nerves, I guess. Before, <laughs> before talking. so, let's get into what we're here to help you promote. And that is uh, a boxer, um, and it's really it's really uh, uh, a crazy coincidence that you had reached out to me because I was um, I had just done uh, the interview with uh, Jay Sandlin like in December for his uh, uh, comic Over the Ropes, and it was you know wrestling, and we were talking about like you know these new stories that are new comics coming out that are not strictly just uh straight superhero yes uh, 
Well, I, I shouldn't say superhero because anybody can be a superhero, but not superhero in the sense that we think of. Um, so, and then, you know, reading those those pages you sent me and in the description, I was like, oh, this is... Because I, I, I'm a boxing fan mm. uh, already. And I was like, hey, you know what? I, think, I don't think I've ever seen a boxing comic. Uh, so this could be really interesting. And then the whole... So I'll let you break down to people what uh, a boxer is about. Okay, so um, a boxer is about uh, a former Olympic boxer called Mike Shepard who turns professional. Uh, the, the beginning of the comic is uh, is him fighting in the Olympics, then he turns professional. The problem that, that Mike faces is that uh, he's a gay man and his boyfriend is his medical assistant. Uh, but boxing is an incredibly hyper-masculine sport. All, all combat sports is about, you know, it is literally about who is the strongest, who is the toughest, and any weakness that you are willing to display will be used against you. Um, and so being gay comes with a lot of connotations, especially within, you know, within sports and, and combat sports, especially where it's just not possible for uh, gay fighters or gay athletes to, to come out. And um, we chose boxing as the sport because it was the one that I was being influenced with at the time. But it's not just in the world of boxing, it's across across all sports um, where it's mathematically impossible for there not to be more gay athletes yeah. who, who are not coming out. It's just the statistics, just it's just not possible. So there are a lot of athletes in every sport who are unwilling to to come out and the uh, a boxer is from the perspective of mike and kind of explores what it is um about the world of sports and about um what it what sexual identity means at you know in our time period that stops someone from from being able to come out to the world and saying yeah you know this is who i am yeah, and I think that's an important story because, like you said, I was talking about this uh, with a buddy of mine the other day. Because um, there, like you said, pure numbers, pure numbers. Yeah, there has to be more than who whoever comes out, and which is normally, especially in in male sports, it's usually a very very small percentage because for some reason people think that masculine and and gay don't go together yeah. which makes no sense to me um so yeah that's i mean especially in boxing you know there's um there's always these weird like i remember when that nfl player michael sam came out <laughs> and um there's always this weird stigma with a lot of um heterosexual guys that if this guy is gay. He's automatically attracted to me. Yes. And yeah. I don't, which is like, you, you really think highly of yourself if you just think <laughs> yeah. gay guy's gonna be attracted to you. Yeah. Uh, so that never made any sense. And then, like you said, if it's just numbers wise, you're playing with a potentially, you know, 10, 20, 30 guys that you don't know. So you not knowing you knowing it shouldn't make a difference because if you don't know then there's possibly hundreds and then if you do know there might be one it's like why does this matter um but that's why i think that um a boxer could be a very uh important story because it doesn't make it you know like you said he's the former olympian and he's this great boxer it doesn't him being gay shouldn't uh, deter people from saying that he's a great fighter. Yeah, yeah, and one of the things I think in the the pages that we sent across to you as well is we kind of open with uh, a kind of a monologue of Mike saying, like, when you're an athlete, especially a boxer, which is you know so individualistic, right? It's it's you and the guy that you're going to beat the shit out of and that's right. it right right it's not like a, a team sport where you've got everybody else like it's all on you and if you win or lose it's on you and your legacy is all about you and we talk about like the great teams in history or uh, the great the great athletes in history like 
Ali is a perfect example. Like, he's the greatest of all time, and he's remembered for being the greatest of all time. Right. Whereas, if uh, an athlete like, and a boxer like Orlando Cruz, who was the first professional boxer to, to come out, uh, will be remembered for, for being a good boxer, but also he's the guy who said, I'm Puerto Rican, I'm gay, I'm proud of both of them, and I'm going to become the first gay champion in boxing. But he didn't become the first gay champion in boxing. And that is going to be part of his legacy, was that he was able to to say, this is what I am going to do, to, to have the Puerto Rican and the LGBT communities following him, cheering him on, rooting for him, but he just didn't quite get there. And that's a lot to put on yourself. And I'm sure there are like, there are a lot of athletes that, that feed off that is just like this, I like, I have to win this fight because it will mean so much to everybody else. It's like why home games are always easier than like games on the road, right? Because you know, you've got everybody there cheering behind you. But like, I watched the Saints lose to the Vikings in, in the Superdome the other day and it's like they always say you go to you go to new orleans and you know it's it's such an impressive stadium like they're unbeatable there but they weren't and they lost when it mattered and um when you're on your own in that situation the more weight you put on yourself and the more weight you put on your legacy they say what do you want to be remembered for and and our character in this in uh mike wants to be remembered as like the greatest of all time right like ali or like tyson like like the baddest man on the planet or whatever but being remembered as you know the gay boxer who came out is not quite the uh you know it's not the necessarily the alexander the great you know greatest people in in history title unless you can win everything that you're going to win which is why mike makes the decision uh, like in the first six pages when i become the champion i will come out because right. once everybody already knows i'm the greatest fighter in the world then i can turn around and go right i've done it and right. by the way the whole time <laughs> right, right. The whole time, this is this is who I was, and you couldn't see it. Yeah, um, and that, that's crazy because that makes that that struggle so much crazier. Because uh, there was an interview that uh, I believe uh, John Jones did uh, before a UFC title fight or something years ago, but he said that a lot of people lose before uh, they get in the ring because they're fighting the name instead of fighting the person. Yeah. So you have this person who's undefeated and they're a champion and you go in there like, holy shit, this guy has beat everybody and, mm-hmm. you know, I think I'm good, but am I this good? And then you've already lost a fight. So with your character, if you're, if he's already thinking that plus like, what if they find out I'm gay? That's a lot to, to carry going yeah. into a fight with someone who's trying to knock your head off. Yeah, and that's the uh, that's the first professional fight that that uh, we see in the book, which I probably shouldn't be giving giving spoilers away. <laughs> but like the first professional fight he goes into is that situation of this guy's in my head, right? This guy he he's got in my head, but because I'm shielding who I am, there's no way for me to you know to to get back at him. It's just how you know Mike works himself into his own head and allows who everyone perceives him as and who he feels he is to come into conflict and you know yeah that's it's it's a big problem for him um and i i think you're you're right about being defeated before you go into the ring because that's what makes fighters like uh angie ruiz so inspirational right when they go in there against an olympic gold medalist and you know a heavyweight champion of the world and just knock him about (laughs) right Right? like the fact that andy ruiz lost the fight later on like lost the second fight doesn't take away from his accomplishment the first time right right? so he had he didn't lose anything by losing that second fight he lost the belts but he didn't lose any respect from anyone because his first accomplishment was so great that you know that he'll be remembered for that and Mm. that's the legacy that he got to create for himself but if a fighter like like our protagonist mike was to come out at the beginning of his career and say yeah i'm i'm gay like orlando cruz did his legacy has already been dictated right it's 
Like, he's not choosing the legacy. It's already there for him. You know, the press has already decided it. Or boxing's an international sport, and Russians are not very fond of, especially of gay men. And right. Philippine, in the Philippines, you've got Manny Pacquiao, who has made a lot of disgusting homophobic remarks. And these right. are two of the biggest countries for boxing on the planet, right? So you instantly cut yourself off the minute you uh you know you determine your career like that yeah man that's a yeah, y'all framed it really well um is there was there anything like like when you when coming up with the the whole concept was there a specific um person or a specific story that you gravitated towards that kind of wanted to that kind of uh, influenced you to make this story or um yeah why'd you end up you know picking this type of story and and boxing and mm-hmm. yeah at, at the time when i first started uh coming up with with the story and i first got the idea i was living in china uh in china at the time and i was i was teaching over there so i'd been teaching i taught in china for three years i guess um and over my final year three different students came up to me to say that they were gay and that they were scared to tell their parents and you know what should i do uh, with all of this and it's a lot of responsibility when you know i i'm from a different culture um in the uk uh, these days it's a little bit you know a little bit weird but generally the uk is fairly accepting of of lgbt uh of lgbtq people so to go to china where like there's still a genuine will my family disown me if i come out as gay um for those kids to be coming up to me kind of forced me to think about well i've had you know thoughts and questions about my own sexuality and i come from a place where it's open you know like right. i don't i don't have any problem talking about my to my friends or my family about my sexuality but i don't know what's going on with me these guys where they literally cannot say to their parents that they are gay otherwise they might be disowned they know right they are 15 years old and they say this is who i am what do i do about it and that kind of influenced a lot of the thinking that i was kind of doing about myself and my own identity at the same time and uh i just stumbled across a a, a couple of podcasts that were focusing on, on boxing and sports and so that those things just kind of came together like that so okay. uh, after i had the idea i did like the first thing you do is go are gay boxers actually that rare <laughs> because right. it's pretty crappy to start writing a story about being a gay boxer and then you go oh man they're all gay and i, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know how did i not know about this and it was like there are two major gay boxers like some have come out after they retire and that's pretty you know in, in sports generally that's not uncommon right but but it was really Orlando Cruz who who came out as gay and Yusuf Mack who was outed as being gay because they found a gay porn movie that he had made but the guy had 10 kids so it's pretty difficult you know to turn around and go well this guy's got 10 kids he's you know a heavy well, I can't remember if he was heavyweight but you know he's a, a well respected boxer but you know he's he's gay when you know they found out because he was in porn right it's like right, right. he's got he's got you know some some credibility going on behind him you know right there so um it was those realizations that were kind of like oh this is actually um something that is important to me especially because mike the the character the way that he feels about his sexuality is talking and me talking through a lot of my own feelings about it and like as the the protagonist he's kind of like he is questioning the things that i was questioning and then the other characters are me arguing with myself as i write it right like they all represent something different within you know within the world that i can go back and forth with and then check with my uh with my friends and colleagues especially those who are from the LGBT community and be like it am i getting this right right with you know i i am i missing something because that helps to address questions that i'm having myself so um the book ended up just kind of writing itself which is really useful because i'm quite lazy 
and <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that helps a lot yeah man that's a uh, and, and, I, and like i said before i think this is something that you know there's a lot of people that um they want to read and they don't know the medium of which they want to read is it a novel is it a novella is it a short story but comics uh, i think if you put a comic in front of most people because of um visually first then they're gonna be like, oh let me check this out and then like those pages you sent me i immediately was like man i want to read some more so oh. and, and yeah and then so then you have the kids who were like those kids that came up to you that can't tell anybody and they might not see any representation of someone like themselves, especially in somewhere like China. And and you know there's some kid that out there or, or, or an adult who's boxing and going through those same things. And everybody wants to see themselves represented. And I think that you, you set up a perfect opportunity for people who are not only just these people in this niche that are, you know, uh, gay in boxing, but just gay in, like you said, uh, hyper-masculine combat sports, um, which is, and, and, and hopefully it can, it'll reach someone big. Cause I really am interested to see that if you, if you took the, the biggest athlete in any sport and then later on they came out and said that they were gay, like say, take like, if LeBron later on came out and said that he was gay, I want to know how these people that celebrated him, wore his jersey, followed him from team to team, will respond to something like that. Because you can't, I think, and that's when their, their, their biases kind of get exposed. Because are you going to automatically just say you hate him now when you were literally talking about him every day and have posters and all these things? And that, uh, I think that and that and it makes sure people that are or who don't know they have those biases that oh man if my favorite athlete came out I'd be mad why am I mad about that maybe I need to question myself so I think there's a a big trickle down effect that can be um, that will be explored once people read it yeah well yeah that's kind of the the hope is that even if it's not Mike that people identify with, with that person who is, you know, questioning their their world and how they are perceived and the way that they perceive other people, like we have three or four main characters that we that we explore, and if someone can find themselves in one of those perspectives, then yeah, I kind of feel like we've we've done it because with the book, obviously, there's some questions I want I want to ask, but I, I'm not trying to say that Mike is right in this book, right? I'm not trying to say that by the end of it, he's come to this perfect realization and actually it was okay to, for him to be gay all along. He just, you know, just needed to believe in himself because that's hollow and it's uh, it's inauthentic to the experiences and the struggles that people actually go through, right? right. Because it's not just a case of going, oh, if I was more confident, I could do, because that's not, Right, it's a Hollywood fantasy that we that we deceive ourselves with, and sure. um, but that's not to say that his his experience is the correct one, or that you know his decision at the end of the book is the is the correct one. So hopefully we address enough views and enough ways of thinking that people can find a piece of themselves within it. And as to what you were saying about the possibility of LeBron or, or Steph Curry or, you know, somebody uh, you know, just uh, it turning out to to be gay in that situation, I think the, the two greatest examples that come to my mind are probably Frank Ocean like five or ten years ago right. and then the US women's soccer team where they went to the Women's World Cup and then dominated everyone and like with an openly uh, accepting and uh, with multiple LGBT players on the squad. And it's like, hey, we just won, you know, we just dominated the World Cup. Uh, are you going to wave the flag and support us or are you not because we have some, you know, we have some queer, right. some queer players. And for Frank Ocean, it's like, you know, 
every single one of you has wanted me on <laughs> on, right. on every every release you've had for the last 10 years like uh are you gonna give little wayne some shit for, <laughs> for what he's saying right. or, or you know like like when are you really gonna not want him because he's one of those you know he's one of those talents at the time that you know you still want him you know you still yeah. kind of want on on your tape so yeah man um so who who else is i know you have a there's a there's a team of you guys who are yeah. working on this project uh, who are, uh, tell me about them yeah so um after i was working in in china and hong kong i saved up like all the money that i had there i like ate tins of tuna every day uh to save up money to go back to the uk and to uh to do my master's degree which was in comics and graphic novels um which my parents weren't too happy about because master's degrees are really <laughs> expensive and uh wasting wasting that money you've saved for for years to go and do one in comics you know that they've got questions You're so right. so i i went and did that but while i was there the reason i wanted to do it was you know i, I wanted to to learn and and you know to deepen understanding and you know all of that shit. but really it's to meet other people who were serious about the work um especially artists because where i'm from in in somerset like there's no artists right like there's they, <laughs> there's there's no comic books let alone comic book artists Perfect. so i went to do the master's degree where um i met gary and mark who are the penciler and the inker um on this book and both of them did a lot of the work that you saw on the website okay. so like so we've collaborated on uh, dick Raygun was one that i did with gary um, that was a piece that I wrote that he used to, uh, for his uh, master's degree. He submitted that as some some work for that. Um, Mark did uh, a lot of the inking on on that work, and then some some of the pencil stuff for me as well. Like they're guys that I've worked with a lot and trust and know. The really cool thing is that if they do something that I think is bad, I can tell them and they're professional about it right. and likewise if i write something that is just the worst they are very happy to turn around and tell me <laughs> <laughs> and tell me and you know it stings it still hurts but because they are guys that i know and trust and uh and i've worked with before like i'm you know i i don't bitch and moan about it too much um on uh, on colors we've got amanda who uh, Mark is a Brazilian comics creator from Sao Paulo and Amanda uh, is also, they have known each other and worked in the same Brazilian indie comic scene for a long time. Uh, she's like a Brazilian award winner, like she oh, won wow. the Dent Award for best independent comic. It's like, yeah, she's, she's incredible. Um, and uh, when you when you read the comic and it looks like almost the coloring on it is kind of it's almost like a vintage feel yeah. to a lot of the colors that was I, I wrote in the script a kind of influence and look that I wanted to book the have uh, I wanted the book to have and Amanda just went here is what you asked for times 10 and it was like that's great right it was like because I know the work that Gary and Mark do I trust them so unless they do something spectacular I'm not blown away by it right I'm always happy with it but I'm not like oh wow but when Amanda's colors came in it was like oh right <laughs> it's just like right. those jaw-dropping moments where it was like oh I, I hadn't thought that this was gonna look so good <laughs> um, then on letters we have Hassan and Hassan is an Eisner Award winner, like, like the, which means he is the be the best of the best. You know, he's right. like an Oscar, he's like an Oscar winner or whatever. Um, he's the uh, Eisner Award winner for editing Panel X Panel, which is a comics journalism magazine. He has a YouTube channel called Strip Panel Naked, where he goes into. Uh, uh, a comic and then just rips the whole thing apart and goes this is, what, this, this is what they're doing this is why they're doing it this is why it works and before I did the master's degree that kind of stuff would have been like yeah okay but I want to read about Mysterio right. but after, after coming out of the master's degree I'm looking at the the work that Hassan is doing and going he is leaps and bounds ahead of almost everybody else in the way that he is looking at this like He's yeah, 
knows ex- he's an expert he's a, like an actual expert which is why he won an eisner award uh, right. and he's yeah he's doing the letters for the lettering for our book which like the team is so good they are all so good that it's super inspiring and daunting for me because it's like wow i've got all these amazing guys to work with is my writing terrible <laughs> because if it is then all of this talent is being wasted right. so we are so working with these guys is great because i i have to go back and put in a hundred i have to go and put in that extra 10 percent, right because if i don't and i if i let the team down and it's my book then uh, yeah it can't be me if if mark drops the ball then fine he can be you know Newsarama or IGN or someone can slam him. That's fine, but I'm not. I'm not going to be the one, <laughs> right? Just, just drop it now. So, yeah, the the team the team's really great, and the whole Kickstarter is just about paying these guys. So we're we're launching a boxer on Kickstarter. We we have a publisher. We're publishing with with BHP Comics, who are uh, a British comics publisher. They've won a bunch of awards for like best small well not they're not even small press um best comics publisher basically in in the uk and they're really great but making a graphic novel is as we said before is like crazy expensive and they can't afford to pay me and gary and mark and amanda and hassan to make this book so the kickstarter is there to pay gary and mark and amanda and hassan so that they can make the book um like the publishing is all being done by the publishing, the printing and distribution and everything is all done by BHP. We're not funding that at all. Um, and I'm not taking any money from the Kickstarter until we, you know, we've gone over the goals and whatever, because we want to keep the costs on it as low as possible. Um, but the whole thing is just like, these guys are really great. And I think the idea is pretty good. And so we just want to have the opportunity to make the book. And yeah, that's that's kind of what we're asking for. Yeah, man, and I and I hope uh, that everything turns out great because I feel like a story that needs to be told, and from the pages that I've seen, I'm excited about it. And yeah. um, you know, talking to you and and you know others recently that are uh, you know in the same field, it's kind of reinvigorated my uh, want to read comics more because you know you know a lot of times we we make excuses for. Why can't, you know, I don't have time to read this. I don't have time to read that. And I, w- I had been reading audiobooks previously. And it's it, it's it's still nice, but it's not the same as having something tangible in your hand. Um, or even if it's like a PDF, you get to look at it on your phone. Um, so, what you know, it, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited for you guys. Um, and I hope it turns out well, because like I said, I'm, I'm really excited. I've, I've already told... You know some of my friends about it and they're like oh man that sounds cool so i'm like yeah so we're gonna uh we're gonna help try to get this thing you know where it that needs was- to be. <laughs> yeah yeah thank you yeah it's it's like a crazily anxious nerve-wracking time now where it's like okay it launches in three days right it's like the 24th <laughs> now it launches on the launches on the 27th and i've spoken to a lot of people who are like yeah 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 i'll i'll put out a tweet or something i'm like yeah they're great just like, put out as many tweets as you can <laughs> but it's like if this thing falls flat which it could do right there's a, like kickstarters like fall flat all the time right. if it does people have said what's your backup plan and it's like oh well you know there's you know there's arts council funding you know like government programs to apply to but it takes like two years to get authorized and you don't get all the money and the other option is i save up the money to pay for this like i did all of the other stuff but if i do that it's like the price of buying a house you know like it's like the deposit on paying a house right it's not like the cost you know i'm not like going out to beverly hills and uh you know for for the cost of the comic book but you know it's it's a, a serious investment and that's a lot of the problems that independent publishers especially are finding right now is artists actually want to be paid right it's easy when you're working with like jack kirby or or steve ditko in the 1960s and you know you just like chuck them five dollars and go all right go to go back to your basement and create the fantastic four and then we'll steal all the rights from you later but like like these guys need to be paid because they need to eat and um 
like uh, it's difficult for often for writers like me to see to see from their perspective and to go god it really is just so it's impossible to break into the industry as a writer and it, it is difficult because you have to you know somehow make these books but the artists you know it's their it's their livelihood right it's you know it's it's their job and um if we can get the money to to help these guys do their job then uh yeah then i'd be really proud i think of of the work that that comes out of it for sure for sure man uh so tell everyone where they can find you the kickstarter uh, all that uh, social media stuff yeah so i am on twitter at comics archer because everything with my first name was taken um <laughs> then i'm on instagram but my name changes a lot i think at the moment it's like dom dom archer comics a boxer january 27th i i, I only post but it's not probably not worth it um but if you go to kickstarter and search for a boxer then we'll we'll pop up um if you follow me on twitter the the link's pinned to the top so yeah if you're interested in in backing us and, and helping out uh yeah that, that's fantastic and that's that's where to find us yeah, so everyone go and uh, donate what you can, even if it's a little, it always helps. Um, and uh, be on the lookout for a boxer because uh, I'm telling you from what I've seen, it's definitely worth the read. And uh, man, I appreciate you sitting down with me uh, nine hours away. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a real pleasure. And now I'm going to go and get more drunk. <laughs> all right man <laughs> appreciate it i'll see uh I, we'll keep in touch man yeah yeah thank you for your help though yeah yeah say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill